Welcome to the Specify Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Tas Nakagawa of Castagra Products. Each week, I talk to leaders and experts about how to overcome adversity, grow massive organizations, and how to create meaningful change in the building materials and construction industry. Today's guest is Thomas LeMay from DPR Construction. So Thomas, thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. Absolutely. It's an honor. And I say it's an honor because the former guests that you've had on this platform, there's some names or people who I dearly, dearly respect. <laughs> so thank you for having me on. Seriously. Well, thank you for making the time. Yeah. Awesome. Now, we were just chatting about, you know, you said you used to be someone that was kind of sitting in the background, you know, sort of not contributing and and then you've you've made your way to the front uh sort of commenting and leading and what sort of caused that change wow it's a serious a series of events i will plug the story in long form is if you go to learnings and missteps there's like eight episodes where uh <laughs> jesse and i tell that story but it is a time when I was kind of middle of the road employee. I was working as a superintendent on a project in San Francisco, downtown San Francisco. And I was curious about what was happening. And this would have been in 2000, kind of early 2010, maybe. And I was curious about this uh, notion of lean construction. I didn't know much about it. And the company I worked for at the time, very traditional mindset they've since changed as well but at the time it was very traditional mindset so like it was like nah like that's not that important but there was a book uh, that I was on a desk it was not hadn't been written uh, read it was definitely crisp but the book was the goal by Eli Goldratt and it's written if you don't know the the book it's it's a it's a novel so it has chapters and characters and but it introduces this uh theory of constraints. And I also struggle with a mental illness called anxiety. So before I read that book and kind of there's some really deep lessons in there, I thought I was crazy. So I was like interested in measuring time and distance or looking at like doing like time and motion study just for productivity. And then also to help, help me make decisions in planning. But the, when I read that book, I'm like, there's something greater here. This is <laughs> this is game changing. And I started to actually run this similar experiments that are in that book. And there's a hike. There's a chapter, a couple of chapters about a hike where there's Boy Scouts in hiking through the woods. And uh, they're having all kinds of problems because of uh, all kinds of variation that, that even in a nature walk. You have to you have to be very diligent on on managing your constraints and managing managing the, like how outside things, weather or darkness or whatever, in, impact whatever you're doing. And that if you take a systematic approach to things, you can actually design better ways to execute the work. And then when you learn from those constraints or whatever you want to call them, those learnings, you apply those back into your work and it keeps making it better. So it has this 
feedback and reinforcing loops. I've just been starting to apply ever since. And now, that's what is it, 15 years later, I, I'm a leader, operational leader. My focus in my role is quality and construction quality. But I cover the Southeast region for DPR construction. It's about $2 billion a year kind of business unit or region, I guess you'd say. Yeah. So it's uh, <laughs> it's been quite the ride for sure. Yeah. So when I started to apply that, my my working and kind of like getting promoted really accelerated. And also my earnings really accelerated. And then also like personal life and learning. Also, like I got obsessed with reading books and getting this up. So um, it was kind of that moment <laughs> that when I picked up that book and said, and then started applying things that that's when uh, a lot of change happens. So hopefully. Yeah, you just touched on reading and stuff like that. But, you know, we can talk about the work, the construction project side of things. But I feel like you applied this, you know, you said reading books, but into your personal side. Mm -hmm. How did it, give me some specific examples of how you applied this and uh, the improvements you saw. Okay, so, you know how I said, you have to have two things a feedback loop and a reinforcing loop. So a reinforcing loop would be it's uh or reinforcing effect would be like you do something and then you build upon that. And, and if your reinforcement is better, it's like it builds upon itself. So it's reinforcing. It's like putting rebar and concrete. So in your personal life, one thing is like, Hey, I need to improve the way I do. I communicate with my, <laughs> with my family and friends and loved ones. So uh, literally, I am very conscious about how we communicate. And it's hard. It's really hard to, to do that. But that's the first thing that you can do is build your reinforcing loops. And then the other half is like you have to get feedback. <laughs> so in your personal life, the feedback will show up in many ways. In many ways, and a person who really kind of impacts me and taught me a lot about that was Jennifer Lacey. But she brought this uh, concept that says it's clutter. If you have a system of feedback and you start to see clutter around you, people are angry, messy dishes in the kitchen or whatever it is. Those are indicators that there's something there's something not right. So then it's like then then it's like, hey, let's take care of that. <laughs> and then spend our energy on the things that give us feedback. So it's not like I have to guess anymore. Like I'll ask for feedback, being like, how am I doing with, with my communication with you? And then my loved one, Angeline, will be like, you know, you need to improve this. And so we've done that. And then the second thing was, you know, your day-to-day -day life, we have to do things. But if we take the things and only keep them in our brain, and it's like, I got to go to the doctor. I need a dentist appointment. We got to pick up the, take the dog to the park or to the day, daycare, or you have kids and they have events. So we're constantly having all this planning stuff. We have to have, have a way to visualize that. So we built this board and it's based on the scrum framework. <laughs> it has the, the columns of to do, doing and done. And if you put those things up there and you talk about those things, it's like, okay, you got to do this. There is, I like to call it smart compromise. It's like, okay, you go to the grocery store and then I will go in the backyard and clean up the dog poo. 
So I have a sticky note, and I'm not even kidding. <laughs> Pick up dog poo. Uh, and you think that's silly, but if you put all of the things that you do and all of your events and the, the things that which are really important to you, and then the things that are not important, they just fall away. And they, it's like not like they disappear, but it's like if you're having that reinforcing effect, I'm going to put all the stuff on here, and we're going to once a week you know, make sure it's up to date and take the stuff off that's old and move stuff into done. Cause that man, that feels good to do. It has that organizing effect and that, that your undesirable things <laughs> or those things in which you don't want to talk about, they either, they either go away or they, you put them on the board and you have to talk about it. You're forced into it. So I think that's uh those are two things that you can do. Build, build a scrum board in your kitchen. Yeah. And now, so for, for the work side, you said some of these organizations you work with didn't do it. They are doing it now. And obviously when you're working in an organization that's large, not everyone's on board. So how do you approach trying to institute learning and change? <laughs> this is what we were just, so I was just in a meeting, just in a meeting to talk about this. We are engaging with some projects with a new set of software management tools that none of us at, at DPR have used before. It's brand new. So there's resistance to that because it's like, hey, I'm very successful and I have the proof <laughs> that I have a high-performing project. And the last one didn't utilize all of these new tools and these new methods. And Thomas, even though you say that it's a better way or it's more efficient or it'll save me time, it helps us organize our work. I don't trust you. <laughs> and people don't, <laughs> people don't say that. They don't say that. We have some talented people, hardworking, super smart. I work with PhDs, but people are human beings and human beings are animals. And animals, that has been studied that the bias comes into play and it clouds our brain up. And one form of kind of mental challenging thing that you have to get over is fear. And fear is threat, right? So it's like I have I have to gauge what the threat level is. So not everything is a, is a is a threat when you deal with fear, but complex systems are scary. So our brains are hardwired to take complex system and make it more simple or protect ourselves. So it'd be like, I'm going to make this, I'm going to utilize part of the system that the part that I like or that I understand, I'm not going to use the whole, all the different modules of this, this uh, software platform. <laughs> I'm only going to use two because th that's, I'm okay with that. This is simple. I know how to do it. This is works, right? So that's one form of, of the other one. The other one is I'll push back and I'll push away. You have to navigate that. As a leader, you have to navigate that. And I think that's true for almost anything. Yeah, no, it's, it's good. Now, so you're, right now you're, you're in a position where you're, you have the software, you've done the vetting, right? Mm -hmm. Your words... You feel that, you know, what they're telling you is people don't trust you, but let's flip it over. I mean, what, what happens when someone comes to you, Thomas, and say, Thomas, I have a great idea. I'm sure a lot of people come to you with ideas. 
How does it need to be presented or packaged or staged for you to properly evaluate? Because I'm sure people come to you with the next great idea all the time. Oh, all the time. (laughs) All the time. And there's amazing ones out there. What's really important, and especially my role, I'm in construction quality. So that means almost every aspect of our work from pre-construction to warranty work, we're dealing with managing with owners, making decisions and like making sure that that valve is calibrated properly. So it's very broad. So if, if that's if that's a very broad subject, there's all kinds of new and shiny ways <laughs> to do things. What we consider, I guess what I consider is like, whatever the new, maybe it's even a technological way over a manual step, it has to be exponentially better. It can't just be like a little bit better. <laughs> And two, so that's so it ha- so if it if it is truly innovative, meaning like it is not even an iteration, it's it's a true innovation like laser scanning or reality capture. Why that's so important because you can't do that manually. We can only look at our eyeballs and then we can't like take the picture and store that and then also have it in three dimensions and be able to kind of uh, use all those points. So that's that's why reality capture is innovative and we're interested in it, but just a method of moving information around. The second I leave of whatever I'm doing data input, if I have to leave that place and go to another place, even though that might, that second place might be faster, I've now introduced variation. <laughs> and I, you've had Felipe engineer Enriquez on, he talked a lot about, or you guys talk a lot about when, when you introduce variation, any kind of variation, it leads to all kinds of trouble. So what we like to do, what a manual step, let's say just like a submittal process where you have product data and you, you look at it and I'm, I'm pantomiming holding a piece of paper and I review it with my eyes and I say, yes, this matches the specifications. I'm going to forward this on to a, a building designer, and they're going to validate that <laughs> that I also validated. That process has been done a lot. And now what we've done is just taken that process and digitized it. <laughs> we haven't even fixed the problem. The problem is, why should we even have to do product data validation in, to, to begin with? It's because we don't trust each other. <laughs> so I'm like, what, what about trust <laughs> is, would be the innovation. So, so those kinds of things. So it's, if we're just speeding up existing process, it has to be exponentially faster and better and build trust. <laughs> Meaning like we can remove some, some of the, the manual processing steps of validation. So like your facial recognition on your phone, that's why we like that or SSO single sign on because it, it hands off those trust. It's digital trust handing off. Yeah, so that's why DocuSign and Textura, if you've heard those two platforms, they've kind of in, in, integrated into our work because it's that handoff of trust. It's it's the way we, we authorize payments and authorize contracts. And we can do that digitally because now it's all encrypted and things like that. So that's yeah. kind of a long-winded answer. <laughs> but, it, no, but, the, but the kind of the core fundamental is it either has to be exponentially better or it has to increase trust. No, it makes sense. So you talked about trust. Trust is required when you're doing 
billions of dollars of construction projects, uh, which could lead to stress and mental health stuff. So talk to me about that, because I know you're passionate about that topic. It is. And I'm not alone. We talked and last week in the construction industry was safety week, where we very consciously stop our work, stop our work. So we were stopping a lot of work and we stand down and we say, hey, we're going to have a lot of focused either workshops or trainings or just just an open conversation about health and safety on construction projects, not in office, <laughs> not in the cyberspace, but actually on physically boots on the ground. So we, we with the industry talked about that and we spent an entire day just about mental health. And you know how I talked about fear? Fear comes in many forms and in construction is unique. It's unique kind of way of doing work because it's it's not like anything else. Industrial work is very similar, but the temporary nature of building construction or bridges or railroads or whatever it is, it's outside in the elements and it's it's risky. There's risk involved. It's dirty. You're working at height, you work at edges, you work with high voltage. Yeah. So you have to lots of variations. Yourself. Yes, yes, you have to protect yourself. And what I talk about is you also have to protect your energy. So if you expend all of your energy at work, so it's like I have a really stressful job, and I got to protect myself, and I have to read these contracts, and I have to, <laughs> I have to walk the job site in a very inefficient manner, and the toilets situation they're dirty and gross so at even at my most private moment I, i'm like bombarded with smells and graffiti <laughs> right so it, all of that requires you to expend energy either to protect yourself or to avoid it or to deal with it so if there's a lot of it and there's a lot of variation meaning like our work is very inefficient because it's still stick built and then there's lots of errors and defects that go along with our work it's just the nature of our work so if you have to expend all of your energy on that, at the end of the day, you are very exhausted physically and mentally. And uh, so you have to travel home now. <laughs> and we, if you're physically and emotionally and mentally depleted, there's not much time for you to, uh, to, to have a personal life. And in our work, the temporary nature of it you can't get into a pattern of self-help, like being like, I can work out regularly or I go to the gym or like, so you have, so it's even harder to have wellness because of just the nature, because uh, for six months, I might be working 10 miles from my house. And then the next six months, I might be working 25 miles and I'm here in Atlanta and <laughs> 25 miles could mean an hour in sitting in traffic. So now I have to, to get to that work on time because we start 7 a.m. or earlier. I now have to remove part of my sleep. So it's, uh, it, and then so there's all kinds of studies about uh, mental wellness and, you know, physical wellness and sleep. So the thing that the only thing, if I'm stuck, if I'm working late, I'm mentally depleted and the work is very inefficient and I have to, 
get to work earlier and I have to wake up an hour earlier, the only thing I can do, the only thing I, I can do is work harder, like work my body harder, work my brain harder and work, you know, be emotionally <laughs> barren because I have to protect myself because of all the, the micro cuts that happen in construction that it, it builds year over year, year over year. It's like, um, I was telling Jesse, it's like, uh, you know, like in a cave, there's the stalactites and the stalagmites. It's because year over year, that calcium builds up. And in your mind, if you can't get out of that, it's it's a serious problem. And it causes all kinds of mental illnesses and mental injuries. And so I think uh, if we need to start talking about that and say, it's normal to feel this way. And it's completely acceptable to say, I need a mental wellness day, or I just need a day off. And then also it's okay to take that day off or even a week off and to rest and to get out of that self-injury cycle that we put our all put ourselves into. And so we were talking last week that like, it's no longer acceptable to to just be just grind it out and to just work harder. And in the book, the goal, that cycle of uh, of the only thing you can do is work harder. There's the Herbie chapter. There's a there's there's a character called Herbie, and he's on that hike. And the only thing that Herbie can do that he can do by himself is work harder. But by working harder, it raises his heart rate. And if he's on a 10 mile hike and your heart rate spikes in the middle of it, you, you get your energy is depleted. But that's the only thing that Herbie could do, except the best thing that happened in Herbie. And I will spoiler the story is there was a whole bunch of stuff in Herbie's backpack. Right? There was weighing him down and they were like, Herbie, let me look in your backpack. And Herbie's like, no, this is mine. This is my backpack, right? And that is a very similar thing that happens in construction because it's a very male and masculine thing to do. Be like, no, I, I, I'm going to ruck up, right? So, but what, what they had to do in the book and what we have to do as leaders in construction is say, look in your backpack or look in that person's personal issues and take the, there's an iron skillet that probably weighed 25 pounds out of Herbie's backpack and give it to one of the faster kids and then say, uh, well, well, he's got like a six pack of soda in here. So they spread out that load and no longer uh, they took the load off of Herbie. Now he's like, I'm I, my can, my heart rate is going to lower and get back to normal. Yeah. And then you can take that same story into your own personal life and you have to go seek help and seeking help in a very masculine dominated industry. And we're about 88% men right now. So it's a very male, <laughs> male populated problem that you have to say, I have a mental illness. Like I do, I have anxiety and I have to go seek help. And if I can't seek help, somebody else has to see me struggling and they have to make me so that's even harder because now I have introduced conflict. So, but uh, you know, we can we can talk about this and we can put posters up and we can have safety weeks all we want. But when we actually do the things that we talk about, 
that's when ma- massive change happens. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm all about that. So it's a yeah. long story, but uh, I'm very interested in, in that. And I think the nature of our work, it systematically injures us. And if you don't believe me, go to, and I love doing this, go to like a gas station, like a quick trip that's here in the South and at about 6.30 in the morning and see how many energy drinks and coffees are being purchased. And I'm talking like a whole rack of energy drinks. And then you also notice that a lot of those people are wearing safety vests or construction, you know, kind of attire because it's true. They, um, but what's happening is since a lot of our workers are sleep deprived, and mentally and physically uh, fatigued, they have to use substances to uh, help them wake up. And then and if you're also mentally f- fatigued and physically fatigued at the end of the day, you also will reach for substances like drugs and alcohol to help you relax. <laughs> so that's why I'm interested in both ends of that spectrum. So thanks for asking. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Is there anything that I didn't ask you, but you want to cover? I do. I do. I've been working on some content and maybe I'll, I'll put it out here. <laughs> so I, I have I have a couple of books in process right now. So I'll soon be published, but not, not yet. Not just yet. One of the subject matters I'm really interested in is um, and what you, Felipe, an engineer, talks about and a lot of people talk about and I do as well it's the concept of systems thinking so you think think of things in systems so there's for me and me in construction three subjects major subjects and I'm curious to hear <laughs> how you react to these the first one is and they're all kind of like SAT words so I, I apologize <laughs> the first one is interdependence mm-hmm. And if you're into building science and materials, this is incredibly true in in a building or any kind of construction. Interdependence means you have at least two systems that are independent, like a mechanical system that heats the air up and cools it down and heats the water up and cools water down. And then you have electrical. So they're both independent systems, meaning they all work by themselves. It comes from a, a utility and goes back out in the electricity, electrical system, but they also need each other to be a complete building. So the, so I'm, the thing about interdependence in construction, it's like, you can't just like look at everything all at once at all, at all times. That's impossible. Like we don't have enough energy or <laughs> so we're already depleted to begin with. So we have to look at the connections. So we do these studies where we take like a drawing and we color up a drawing and I call them cartoons because they are just color them. But when the, at the connection point where they meet, the two colors are very, very contrasting. So that way your eyes immediately can see, Oh, there's a connection right there. And now I don't have to search for it and waste a bunch of energy doing a bunch of searching. I can now see. So we do all kinds of studies and and plans. And that's kind of why you see when like if you're doing tact planning, like Jason Schroeder, you see these images that are very contrasting colored, like a layout or a, uh, how they set up logistics on the thing. And it's that it's that reason. It's the interdependence. So that's first concept. Second one I already talked about is feedback loops. 
And there's, there's two types of feedback loops. The best type is the kind you design. The best kind is kind of the kind you design. So even materials will tell you a feedback. If like something sits out in the sun too long, it'll fade or get damaged. Or if it gets wet, like insulation and moisture don't like each other. And how do you know? Well, it starts to get damaged. So <laughs> if you know those symptoms, you can say, hey, when we go on a walk and I'm in quality, so we do lots of visual inspection. There are certain things that we look for, and we'll actually make lists of these these feedback loops. Then we look for puddles of water, we look for trash, we look for we look for warping, we look at gauges, right? So you have to design those systems. Now, not having a design feedback loop also <laughs> is a feedback loop because things will start to show up. So I use the the concept like below grade waterproofing. And below grade waterproofing and quality is basically like you have to get it right the first time because it's to fix below grade waterproofing is incredibly difficult <laughs> and expensive, right? So the feedback from having either good quality or having poor quality in below grade waterproofing is two things. One, you should see water flowing where you want it to go. So we should, when we walk our job site, we should look at weeps, like where, where the water should specifically be going. And we should look for where it should not be. So if you don't have a design feedback loop, it will show up. And if you have poor quality, leaks appear. <laughs> so like if you, you would see a wet spot in your concrete wall, or I would see, oh, the basement flooded after the three inches of rain. So those feedback loops, they will, they will, I call them, it's like the constitution. They are self-evident. <laughs> so if you can actually exploit those feedback loops, meaning like if we know these specific things, that's what we're going to go look for. And if we know what we're looking for, when we go out there, we walk with purpose. And it's so much more powerful when you walk with purpose. Otherwise, we're just walking around taking pictures. And then the third concept, and this is the most difficult one, is, mm -hmm. is uh, emergence. And emergence, it's like a tree. It's like a tree. So if you look at a tree, it has structure, it has leaves, it has roots. But it's also the way the sun is aligned with, the, with that tree. It'll grow in that direction. Mm -hmm. Or if there's a source of water on more on one side than the other, the roots will go towards that. So you, you can't just look at any given thing as it is, you also have to look at the overall system and how it affects. So like a roofing system could be well installed and well designed, but because of thermodynamics, like it heats up and it cools down, that your, your roofing system might still sag and then you have um, puddles. So the puddles that appear like your feedback loop aren't necessarily that it was a poor design or necessarily that the installers did a bad job. It just was, there's outside influences on things. And so we have to study relationships, um, again, between components and not the components that we control. It sounds like unknown outside influences. <laughs> yes, but um, but those three things, when you think about it in quality, in a quality mindset, it's not always someone that did a poor job, right? <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's because the 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 there was a hurricane or there's serious weather events or we didn't take into consideration traffic flowing 
<laughs> in this direction. So um, it's not always a blame game. Uh, so that, so that like when we even when we study those things, we we will utilize images. I call them structured images, but that's like an image with infographics. It's like going to the airport, or because you can go to airport in in foreign countries where there's no English and still navigate because of infographics, meaning like there's arrows, there's highlights, there's patterns, there's some standardization, even all over the world. So we can utilize those things to study emergence and it becomes less complex. And when things become less complex and more simple, we're less afraid of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when we're less afraid of them, we're more as human beings, more likely to confront that conflict. So what I mean by that is like, if we're doing a constructability review and our building is lots of glass and, it, but it's facing the South and we know that that sunlight and South facing glass, it gets very bright. And if we can draw, if we just drew a picture saying, Oh, it's South facing glass and sunlight, and if bounces off and bounce off the floor, but there's an emergent thing happening here that we can now study. And there's no blame because we're just pointing at a piece of paper or maybe it's a whiteboard versus saying this is a poorly done design. Why would you ever put a building facing south? So the good people in Las Vegas and the good people in London know that story well, that 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 there was a undesirable effect that that became from not studied emergence with south facing uh big time high rise glass so <laughs> but that's that, that's basically it those three concepts what do you think there i think it's good i think you identified some interesting things the interdependence you said and then the feedback loop and then the emergence essentially is just there's just so many variables that are not known, right? Because you're pushing new materials, yeah. new things. Essentially, you know, you're taking it from a theory, right? Or model to what happens in the field, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It. And that's what it gives. I like how you said model. And I was talking about reality capture before. So now if, we, if we've done a bunch of interdependent studies in a, in a 3D model, Meaning, like we have all of these different systems. We got ductwork, we got pipes, we got insulation, we got studs, we got drywall, we have finishes. And if we model those now, we understand the connections between them. So when we actually go out and walk the field, or or actually when we go out and build it, we understand. <laughs> we more understand the overall system and and doing that versus I'm just here to install the walls. I don't care about. <laughs> these pipes and in fact these pipes are installed incorrectly so that's a lot of that behavior we try to get away from because we've done the layout ahead of time very accurately so accurately we can even have a robot uh, with a sharpie (laughs) draw the walls on the floor like a like a magical Roomba but that that's the dusty technology but uh that, that's why those things are important because it, it understands the model, understands the interdependence of things. Yeah. Perfect. Well, I appreciate you uh, sharing your insight. That's a great book topic and I'm looking forward to read it. But Thomas, thank you. I appreciate uh, all the things you shared. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Again, 
I'm just interested in this. And one thing I like, uh, I was telling you earlier is, is uh, I work for a very large company and I can't reach everyone at all times. And uh, I guess my ask is like, if if you're interested in this and it could be other companies, even at an industry event that it's okay to be like, that's interesting. Tell me more. And now I get to do this all the time that uh, we get a, I get actually get paid to talk about emergence at DPR, <laughs> but we use very practical methods. But if uh, I can't always bring these kind of vast topics <laughs> into, into my day-to-day work because it's very technical work and, and we have to be very specific on that thing. But like, I love to talk about this off to the side or when we're introducing a subject. And if somebody in their, in their ride home wants to learn more, they, they pick, they turn over to a specified growth project and they hear Thomas on here talking about feedback loops. It gives me a platform to engage with people. And it also gives people an excuse to come talk to me. And that's when we do that, when we actually interact on a subject matter that's super positive and it's not about baseball or the weather, we actually get better as an industry. And uh, how do I know that? I, that's all I do now. <laughs> that's all I do now is, is surround myself with people who are much smarter than me. And then I'm inspired by them. I go try something and then like we do a little, little feedback loop, be like, hey, check this out. And then we get better. So, yeah. Keep doing it. And thank you for, for having this platform because uh, we need more and more of it. So thank you so much. Keep, keep doing the hard work. Thank you for listening to the Specify Growth Podcast today. Make sure you check out youtube.com forward slash Tats Talks for video of today's podcast. Hit the subscribe button for upcoming episodes. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.